Hi, this is Angie Meadows today, and today we're going to do the Daniel study. Um, I published this a couple of weeks ago. It's I've taught it to children in elementary, but I've given the book to about 10 different people who don't normally study their Bibles, and they say, oh, this is our level. <laughs> so I think there's a lot of good stuff in here you're going to learn. It's on AmazonBooks.com. It's under my name, Angie Meadows, and it's called The Daniel Study. And the lessons that I learned from Daniel follow me throughout all my life and give me the skills to do what I need to do. Um, to stand strong, to stand alone. So each lesson has scriptures that we read. It has a principle. It has um, a character skill that we're going to look at. It has a self-evaluation part at the end. So let's get started. Chapter number one, lesson one, is Daniel's daring decision. So, but Daniel resolved or purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the royal food and wine in Daniel 1 8. So, the reading assignment is Daniel chapter 1 1 through 21. And what we want to talk about is these Israelites were taken into captivity. It was prophesied that they would go into captivity by the prophet Jeremiah and that they would go into captivity for 70 years. But it was very uh, difficult for them. And the reason they were going into uh, captivity is because of idolatry. They had um, set up pagan images. They had bowed down to false, false gods. And so it's a lesson for all of us to know that if I indulge sin, I'm always going into to idolatry, and I'm always going into bondage. And I can remember one time the Lord telling me that I had made my husband my idol. And I'm like, really, Lord, how did I do that? And he said, uh, and I said, he's my comforter, he's my provider, he's my protector. And the Lord said, no, that's me. And I had to realize that that was God. He was my provider, my protector, my comforter, and he had given my husband the ability to be those things for me. But as I had elevated my husband above God to trust in him more, to to let him comfort me more than I let God comfort me, then I had set up an idol in my heart without even realizing it. So anything that I set up in my heart that is bigger than God that gives me stress and anxiety is idolatry. So I can always tell where I need to work because I'll have stress, I'll have anxiety, I'll have fear. And it's like, okay, I've got to release that to the Lord. So we'll see as these Hebrew boys, uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were captured in Israel and taken 500 miles away from their homes, uh, how they stood strong for the Lord, how, how things did not... Um, shake them from their faith. So the principle is that culture can change our name, but it will never have the power to change our character when we honor and obey God. So they took uh, these three young men out of the palace, these four young men, Daniel and his three friends, out of the palace. The king of that time was named Jehoiakim. And the king of Babylon that came in and conquered was Nebuchadnezzar. Another person in the story was called Ashpenaz. Now, if you have children in the room and you want to teach them, let them get their little Bibles out and let them follow along. If you don't know the principles of God's Word, this is a great place to start. And the reason I'm teaching it on the Rocker Recovery is I feel like once we get into recovery, once we find our place in Christ, if we don't start studying the Word, we're not going to grow. 
and we're going to question our faith. So this happened in the southern kingdom of Israel in the Middle East. And what happened? Let's see what happened. Jerusalem was invaded by Babylon, and they were taken captive, and they were marched 500 miles away. There were 10,000 Jews that were taken captive in 597 B.C. The city and the temple were destroyed in 586 B.C. So the royal Jewish young men, who had no blemish, were well-favored, skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and could learn quickly and easily, were brought to captivity in the Babylonian king's palace to become his wise men. So Jehoiakim was an ungodly king of Judah, and he led the people into apostasy and persecuted the prophet Jeremiah and other true believers, and that is what led to the captivity. So apostasy means a refusal to follow, obey, or recognize uh, your faith. An abandonment of God and a leading the people astray is always idolatry. So let's see, what is our character skill that we want to look at today? The character skill is honor versus disrespect. And the verse is, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy a long life upon the earth. That's Ephesians 6, 2, and 3. So we're going to start with the first verse of Daniel 1, 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem to besiege it, which means he meant to take it captive. So who came to Jerusalem? Well, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar is uh, woven in and out of the first three or four stories here of the book of Daniel. So when did he come? In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar the king of of Babylon came to Jerusalem to besiege it. So it was in that third year. So who was responsible for the nation of Jerusalem and Jehoiakim, king of Judah, being captured? In Daniel 1-2, the Lord says, And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand which is Nebuchadnezzar's hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. And these he carried off to the temple of his God and the Babylonia and put them in the treasures of his God. So God led this nation into captivity. So this was the will of God. So as Daniel and his three friends had heard these prophecies and understood this, they had decided in their hearts that they were going to stand strong for God, that they were not going to defile themselves. They weren't going to go into idolatry, nor were they going to be afraid. So number four, who did King Nebuchadnezzar order Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring to his palace? And then what did he do? In Daniel 1, 3, and 4, the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude of every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. And he was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. So Ashpenaz was to capture these young men without defect and to bring them and to train them up for several years to become the new wise men in Babylon. So what were the names of these four young men when they were captured? And then what were their Babylonian names? So Daniel 1, 6 through 7, among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Hananiah, 
Mishael, Azariah, and Daniel. The chief official gave them new names. He called Daniel Belshazzar, Hananiah, Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah Abednego. And what did Daniel resolve not to do in Daniel 1.8? But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. So if you are making decisions, I want you to know that once you purpose in your heart not to defile yourself, that your friends will have the courage not to defile themselves also. So Daniel was the leader here. Daniel was the one that purposed in his heart not to go astray, but his three friends followed him and followed his courage. Number seven, who influenced the official to show Daniel favor and sympathy in Daniel 1.9? Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. Look at that. So God's protecting Daniel. He's purposed in his heart not to defile himself. So God said, yes, I know you're going to be in captivity. I know that your uh, nation has sinned and this judgment has come upon them, but that's okay because I'm going to show you favor and compassion. So even though there may be bad things happening to us, God's going to show us compassion as we just purpose to keep doing what's right. We just purpose to do the right, the right thing that's before us. So number eight, what respectful appeal? Did Daniel ask the chief officer? Daniel 1, 12 through 14. Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink, and then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat their royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. And so he agreed to do this for 10 days. So there is a skill called a respectful appeal. And as we learn to obey and we have a good reputation, now we can step back and when there's something going on that is against our conscience, something going on that we feel is going in the wrong direction because we have earned the favor um, through obedience, through compliance, through our hard work, um, through our happy countenance, now we can step up and ask for a respectful appeal. So Ashpenaz agreed, and he said, okay, I'll give you 10 days. So number nine, how did God bless these four young men for their desire to serve him? So these four young men in Daniel 1.17, God gave them knowledge and understanding and all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams and all other kinds. <laughs> How about that? He understood things that other people could not understand. So number 10, Daniel 1.20, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them to be 10 times better than all his magicians and his enchanters in his whole kingdom. So how much smarter were these servants than the magicians and the enchanters? Well, they were 10 times smarter. And you have to think about this because they had to learn a whole new language. They had to be able to learn a different language and to be able to think in that language, to learn the culture. They had to, they lost their families. They've probably lost their parents, their siblings. They've lost their country, their possessions. And they're in a foreign land in captivity, and they're still doing the right thing. Because what they know is like Proverbs 21.1, in the Lord's hand. The king's heart is a stream of water that he channels towards all who please him. So if the Lord 
holds a king's heart in his hand, how much more does he hold our life and the people above us in authority over us to turn their hearts wherever he wants them to go? So many times I've been wrestling with my husband on a decision, and I'll be I'll know that that it's against scripture or it's just a compromise, and I'll ask the Lord to turn his heart, and it won't be hours to a couple of days that all of a sudden he'll come back and he'll agree. You're right. That's that's what we should do. So there's a there's a releasing things to God instead of being anxious over it, instead of wrestling or fighting with him or arguing with him. I can uh, I can release this to him. I can ask him to move the heart of the person who's in front of me. So if you have a boss that's contentious, that's fussy, just ask God to move his heart. So in Psalm 75, 7, it is God who judges. He brings one down, he exalts another. So it's God who judges. He he sets down one kingdom, he brings up another kingdom. So as things are being shifted or moved in your life, I want you to understand that that's God doing it, and to yield to it and not be anxious, but to look for the the vision and the plan and the purpose of why God might be doing this and where you might fit. So in Romans 13, 1, it says, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority None, except for that which God has established, the authorities that exist have been established by God. So if you have an ungodly authority, I want you to yield them to the Lord. There they are, Lord. You you set them in that position. I just pray that you help me to honor them, that you help me to have the right attitude, or that you take them down, distract them off another way, do whatever you would like to do, but I yield to you. So in Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep a watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So there it is. It's saying have confidence in our leaders. So sometimes they're they're not always making the right decisions. Sometimes they're a little skewed, but that's okay, because God is in control. And as I don't get anxious about it, but I yield them to the Lord, the Lord moves their hearts. The Lord moves my heart. And I either know to stay and to support them or to move on. So let's look at the names of these Hebrew boys to see what they meant. So Daniel means God is my judge. And in Babylon, they changed his name to Belshazzar, which means Baal will protect. Hananiah's name meant God is gracious. And they renamed him to Shadrach, which means inspiration of the sun. Mishael means God is without equal. They renamed him to Meshach, belonging to Aku, the god of the moon. Azariah means Lord is my helper. They renamed him to Abednego, servant of Nego, the god of science and literature. So even though they took God is my judge, God is gracious, God is without equal, the Lord is my helper, they took the boys whose names meant these things, these wonderful things, which means that they had godly parents that were training them, uh, and they changed them to um, pagan names. It didn't make any difference. In their hearts, they could not change their hearts. They were able to stand alone because they knew who their identity was. They knew who they were inside. And it's very important that we teach our families, that we teach ourselves, that we teach our children who we are in God. And that's why it's important to read the Word and to know the Word, that it can bring you life. So there's a few discussion questions here. What do you think might happen if Daniel would have broken Jewish law and defiled himself with the king's food and wine? Hmm. Well, 
he might not have had God's protection. He might not have had the favor of Az- Azariah. So how do you think the Hebrew boys handled the loss of their homes, their families, and their future kingdom of Judah? These were uh, young men that were probably princes um, in the royal household, and here they are, uh, slaves. Now, they may have thought that they were being taken to be beaten or to be in captive and just been extremely grateful to be fed well and clothed well and to be trained. Um, but whatever it was, they were trusting God. So I have a, an evaluation here that I'm going to ask you many, uh, several questions. I think there's 10 questions here. And I want you to answer these questions so that you can understand whether or not you can stand alone. If you can stand alone, um, it's you and God. And you can stand alone for your values, your principles, the things that you believe in. But you have to know what you believe so that you cannot be shifted and moved. And I want you to teach your children to stand alone. And one time I had a, I had a, my son was about nine, and we would go to church, and the other boys would uh, get him running through the basement and in and out of different rooms at the end of service. And this time I stood him on the a certain spot in the foyer, and I said, you guys are allowed to play here. And we had been studying how to stand alone. And when those boys disobeyed their families and their mothers and they took off, my son was standing there grinning at me going, Mom, I stood alone. (laughs) So now as a young adult, he can stand alone. He can stand for what it is that he believes in. So number one, do I have beliefs that I am willing to stand for and be persecuted for? Number two, do I cower in fear when I am mocked or made fun of by my peers? Number three, have I purposed in my heart to follow Christ no matter what? Number four, do I gravitate to friends that tear down and talk bad about our authorities? Hmm. Number five, do I know how to clear up a guilty conscience when I fail and become a rock? to doing what is right the next time? Do I confess quickly? Number six, am I afraid of angry people? Number seven, do I lead others to obey God or follow wicked leaders? Number eight, if I am given a command to lie, cheat, or steal, am I willing to take a stand and refuse to do it? Number nine, what disciplines could I set up in my life so that I will be prepared to say no to evil? And, you know, disciplines is a safety net. It's um, it's a, it's like having, if you're walking on that balance beam in the circus, it's like having the net underneath you to catch you. So when I have disciplines set up in my life, like my daily prayer, my daily meditation and Bible study, my my daily um, my evening prayers, my my studying God's word, my reading God's word, my going to church. When I have these disciplines set up in my life, and then things start going um, upside down, I already have the disciplines set up, so I, I know what to do next. I'm I'm going to just keep up with my disciplines, which is what keeps me steady. What keeps me steadfast? I may stumble, but I'm not going to fall. And I'm not going to stumble for very long, and I'm going to come back because I've got these disciplines set up. So number 10, the final one, have you developed strong friendships with honorable friends? And do you encourage them to become stronger or weaker in their resolve to do what is good? So here's some parent-teacher trainings. So first lesson 
for the parents and the teachers to train is how to stand alone. So in today's world, we must teach our children to stand alone. So we want to stand one child in front of the room, in, in front of the dinner table, and do a little role play uh, and give them scenarios of um, drugs or alcohol or uh, ask them to let you cheat off of their paper for a test or to lie or to steal out of uh, mama's purse or to do something like that and have them say stuff like, nope, you can do whatever you want to do, but I will not follow you. And have them say, I have purposed in my heart not to defile myself and to be like a Daniel and to stand strong. And then I want you to teach them, number two, to respect authority. And I want you to help them to practice by being obedient with a happy heart to honor you. So have them repeat a lesson with a smile. Like if they, if you ask them to do something, go to the cabinet and get me peanut butter, and they come out stomping and they slam that peanut butter on the counter, it's okay. <laughs> they did obey, obey you, but they didn't honor you. So take it back with a smile and say, okay, now let's do it again, but this time let's do it with a happy heart. Because if I indulge that grumpiness and let them get away with it, then I have let them disrespect me even though they obeyed me. And it won't be long before they'll just say, no, I'm not doing it. So I want you to practice giving instructions and having the child move quickly to obey the first time. Because they can't make a respectful appeal until they've been trustworthy to obey with a happy heart. And I know that this sounds very um, counterculture because we let um, we move by emotions and by however we feel but until we're able to teach ourselves a solid ground then the enemy just moves us wherever he wants us to move and we're then we're captive and victims of our emotions instead of following the principles of God's word so the third parent skill is to help them make a respectful appeal. So if, if you've asked them to come to dinner, and they normally get up and come, and this time they have five minutes left on this show, or five minutes left on this game, or five minutes left to finish this homework problem, and that's information that you don't know, then, then they can give you a respectful appeal. Mom, can I have five more minutes to finish this? And if you say no, have them come anyway. No, honey, we can't do that because we've got on a timetable. You'll have to finish that later. Or you can say, yeah, sure, have five minutes. And what you want is them not to obey blindly, but to obey according to what's right and to honor their mom and dad and to learn that gentleness in the home, to be trained up in righteousness, that will give your home great peace. So this was Angie Meadows. This was lesson number one in the Daniel study.